This week, we're starting a new series. This morning, we'll begin a new series called Relevancy, and it's really the theme I wanted to have for this year. Last year, it was a lot more on intentionality, and we need to keep that plate spinning, but we're talking about relevancy. And each of the next few weeks, we'll talk through certain facets of our faith and, and ask the question, is this relevant? Does this matter? And maybe even we'll be honest and say, what's in this for me? And this is based because the number one reason people set aside their belief in God is because they don't think that he is relevant to their daily lives. And that might trouble you. Um, and, and, and it troubles me. And, and as I kind of hear that and examine my own life, as I'm kind of putting this together, it's, it's really just give us some pause. Because this has affected everything from our diligence in reading the Bible to attending church, to giving credit where credit is due, right? What God's done versus what, what we've accomplished ourselves. And most importantly, having a relationship with him. Maybe it's complacency, maybe not. And sometimes we're doing a really good job, but I think it's good to have a reminder of why this stuff matters. So as first, we're going to examine the relevancy of prayer. And we begin by considering prayer itself. What is it? What is its purpose? And the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. And by its most simple definition, prayer is talking to God. It's our way of communicating our thoughts, our needs, our desires to him. It's a means that God has provided for us to make known the deepest feelings of our hearts. And one thing as I've been you know, preparing my study and, and getting this is one thing that's very clear, and that's prayer is an act. It's an action. It's not merely an attitude. And, and what do I mean by that? When we talk about worship, Worship is an attitude. It's, it's not just what we do, but we go through our life worshiping God. Thankfulness is an attitude. and everything, we're giving thanks. We're thankful. We're recognizing what he's done and how much we need him. And, they, and because of that, they permeate every part of our life, or they should. Right? We should be doing everything with an awareness of God, giving credit to him, about being thankful about that. But prayer is an action. It's something we do. It's something that we commit intentional time to and we, and we put energy into it. This can be seen by the way that scripture speaks of people praying. For example, in Luke 11, 1, we read that Jesus was praying in a certain place, it says. And it said, after he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now notice that it says Jesus was praying and then he finished praying. It's an, it's an action. He was performing the action of speaking to our Heavenly Father, you begin the conversation, you have the conversation, and you finish the conversation. You do it. You do it. Now, how often should we do this? And my response to you is to ask you, how often do you need to pray? Right? Go ahead and pull up this, this scripture. And this is one, this was our, our scripture to remember that Mark read. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is from the NIV. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, other translations say supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. It is fully loaded with some really good stuff. But I want to look at this. And, and as we have translated the original Greek, as it were, with Philippians into other languages and in English and, and done this. There, there are translations and there are paraphrases. The message is a paraphrase. It is not a word-for-word -word translation of Latin or Greek, I'm sorry. It's a thought-for-thought. Thought. So I don't want you to think that 
Me showing you the message version up here is me saying this is exactly what you read. But listen to what it says about what we just read from the NIV. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Right? Replace it with prayer. Let petitions and praises, like the things you're asking, and they do that, shape your worries into praises. I, prayers, I love that. Let the action of praying shape your worries into prayer. Letting God know your concerns. And it says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle down on you. I love the image of that. It says, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Christ displaces the worry at the center of your life, right? Instead of worrying, pray. And let these things shape your worries. That is the benefit. That is the power. That is the purpose of prayer. And the Bible also advises us to pray continually. That's found in Thessalonians. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, right? Enjoy the good, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. We do not just pray for something once and then go on. Mark 14, beginning in verse 32, shares an account of Jesus and the disciples. And they come to a place named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. He prayed again, the same prayer. And in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed three times for the same thing. So we need to understand it's not a lack of faith. Jesus wasn't lacking faith or thinking that God didn't hear or would remember what he needed to pray for that. We're permitted to keep praying for the same things, to keep praying for things. Every Sunday, we pray here. We've got to have their prayers. And, and there are people and there are things, and I, I totally forgot Brenda to include her again. But every week we pray for Brenda and others because that is an ongoing need. And, and hopefully you're, you do like I do where you write these things down and during the week you, you look at it and you remember. These people continue to need our prayers every day. God expects us to keep up the prayer. The Bible also advises us to pray privately. It says, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, those words are found in Matthew 6, 6. And, and they echo Jesus' sentiment. But I want you to hear what, what this is saying. Don't do it for show, right? We're not going out on the corner. And, and I think being evangelistic and charismatic are, are good things well-placed, but the quiet conversation, the meaningful personal conversation, God, hear what I have to say however I have to say it. I may not have the most eloquent words. Sometimes I can't even utter what it is I'm happy about or, or worried about. He says, that's what you need to be doing. Go to that private place in your heart or your mind or physically and pray. And it says, your father who sees in secret, right, this conversation you're having will reward you openly. And there is a time for public prayer. But as individuals, we still should talk to God in private. So what about this public prayer? What about the things that we do here on Sunday mornings when we lift up the prayer requests for ourselves and others? And, and like I said, even those we haven't met because we know there's a need or a celebration. Scripture affirms the concept of praying not only individually, but as a community. Did you see what happened on that football game Monday night? Did you see people openly kneeling and praying? 
I hate to think this. I would love to think that if they had done that for any other reason, just because they decided to, to suddenly kneel down and pray as a team, that people would be like, that is so cool. But, but don't worry, we're a little worried that people are like, well, don't bring, you know, don't bring your religion into my, my football game. But when it matters and people know where they need to go, people rallied, praying for people that they had never met, maybe even heard of. Scripture affirms that we should be doing this for each other as a community. Praying with others becomes a powerful way to lift up our voices to the Lord and to share our petitions, our requests with God as a body of Christ, which is what we are. And when we pray, we often do so by ourselves, but we encourage to pray with others as well. We amplify the power of prayer when we pray together. We show regard and care for others and exemplify the behavior God expects when we pray together, when we do this for the right reasons. This is why we intentionally take time on Sunday morning to, to pray for the joys and concerns of others. Colossians 4.2, Paul's letter says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. These are the power and purposes of, of prayer, whether it's individually or as a community. And these heartfelt conversations with God that we have, they show up throughout the Bible, all the way back to Adam's interactions with God in the Garden of Eden. The first conversation that that's happens between Adam and God, that's a prayer. Now, he may have been physically there to have that in person, but talking to God is a prayer. We see as late as the prayers for Jesus Christ return again in the glory end of the book of Revelation, front to back prayer. There are countless examples of individuals offering up prayers to God within the Bible. And there's a whole book of the Bible, the Psalms, that is made up entirely of prayers. So to pull all this together, prayer is the act of asking God to do what he has already promised to do. Now think about that for a second. Power is the act of asking God to do what he has already promised to do. God, will you help me? Well, I did tell you I promised I would help you. God, will you deliver me from this? I did promise you that I will deliver you, right? This understanding of prayer as God, asking God to do what he has promised is displayed in almost every part of the Old Testament. From Genesis 4.26, when men began to call on the name of Yahweh to fulfill the promise of a rescuer that was shared in Genesis 3.15. And onward forward, the prayers of God's people are essentially gospel-shaped asking God to come through on his covenant's promises. Will you deliver us? Will you help us? Will you lift up a savior? Will you forgive me? I promise that, I promise that, I promise that. And not surprisingly, we find the exact same pattern in the New Testament. Prayer, which is made possible by the gospel and shaped by the gospel, continues to work in exactly the same way. And so for Jesus... Prayer is basically a matter of asking his father to do what he has promised. The Lord's prayer itself in both Matthew and Luke is a template for a new covenant prayer. The individual petitions in Matthew are all requests which dovetail perfectly with the revealed purposes and promises of God earlier in Scripture. Think about that. Asking in response to the gospel is the heart of prayer. Lord, I trust you. I trust your promises. It's, it's what I've read. It's what you said you're going to do. I trust you. So I'm going to ask you in faith. I'm going to speak to you in faith because you say you hear. When we consider prayer as one of the means of grace, our focus time turns to the way Jesus shows us to pray. 
through his teaching and the example in the Gospels. Jesus, as we study Jesus' life, we discover that Jesus' ministry is filled with prayer, talking to God. He prays in the wilderness after his baptism. He heals a man through prayer. He teaches his disciples to pray. He withdraws to lonely places where he gets overwhelmed by crowds so he can reconnect the Father through prayer. We talked about this when we talked about taking a Sabbath moment. He prays at Gethsemane so he might have the strength to face his coming crucifixion. And he even dies with a prayer on his lips, into your hands I commend my spirit. Start to finish, Jesus has exemplified a prayerful life. And prayer permeated his life and his ministry. His example offers us a model of how to live as his followers. He invites us to be people of prayer. Jesus offered a model prayer as an example of how to pray and what to pray for. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And when we find Jesus is teaching this prayer to his disciples, both in Matthew, if you're curious, Matthew 6, 7 through 15, and also Luke 11, 1 through 4. And in our bulletin, to the right of where I you know, mark that time in our worship service, is the location of the two stories of the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, some people believe that if we want to be counted among his disciples today, we ought to offer this prayer to God daily, per, you know, verbatim as written, right? Others take Jesus' words, and in and, and several of the, the translations say, pray like this. Some say, pray this, these words. Some say, pray like this. And so they take that as an, an example or a sample or a template for our own personal players. Include these kinds of things. The last thing we should consider before we ask whether or not prayer is relevant is to consider how it works and, and does this have meaning or value for us? This is where perception matters. If prayer is the act of talking to God and asking him to do what he has already promised to do and either we don't know or don't care about these promises, then we certainly can't find value in it. What's the point if we don't believe in what it can do? And this is where my preparations for this week's message took an interesting turn for me. I reviewed countless commentaries, surveys, polls, opened the Bible, but then also looked at kind of some of the data to see what we, as people, think about prayer. How often are we doing it? Who's doing it? What are we, what are we praying for? And I won't take this morning to get into this data. This is what I was alluding to earlier that had thousands of, of words of, of just fascinating stuff. But I'm going to bring some of that to next Sunday morning's Bible study time to share for conversation because it's fascinating to me. And I'm not going to take the time to get into the details of that this morning, but, but to listen to some of the highlights. Okay? Among seven out of ten American adults who consider themselves to be Christian, now I don't want to debate what makes them consider themselves to be Christian, but they have a fundamental belief that they believe is a Christian belief. It says out of seven out of ten of the adults who claim that, 76% believe that God hears their prayers. Now, I would argue it's higher because that seems contrary to me, but okay. 76% of the people who took this survey, who say they're Christians, say that God hears their prayers. But here's where it gets a little different. And see what you think. 39% he hears all prayers and answers each one. Although the answer sometimes is no. Okay. 20% argue that he hears all prayers, but carries out his own will regardless of those prayers. Sovereignty, right? 11% say God hears all prayers, but it only answers those from people who are truly committed to him. Now, for me, that felt, I'm glad that that was such a low number, right? Because that's not what I know and believe about God, that he's only going to answer. I think he'll answer righteous questions and righteous requests, 
but I think he'll hear everybody's prayer. 6% say that God only answers a prayer if many people pray it, or it has been prayed consistently over time. We're going to wear God down. Luckily, that's only 6%. 14% admitted they don't know if God responds to people's prayer. If he does, how he responds. I think that's some of the value of praying more than once or more than one time or keeping your notes, right? And we can look back. Brenda Waters, great example. We pray for her all the time and we hear how she's doing. So we have some feedback on these prayers. But when you put all this together, the majority of people believe that God hears and answers our prayers though the answer may not be the desired one. I think that's the reality. And I think it's good we don't always get the prayers we ask for. I know some of the best things in my life, including the one here on the front row, is, was contrary to something I was praying for. Not that I was praying against you, dear, but I didn't specifically ask for you. And you're welcome. Um, you know, so God takes these things because he knows better. And, and I might have put myself on the list of, well, God didn't hear my prayer to fix this or fix that or da-da-da-da-da, Right? But he knew what he did. God, hear our prayers. Here's our prayers. And there's some other interesting revelations, right? Um, most people, regardless of they consider themselves Christian, think that the most compelling reason to pray is this our way of talking to God. They agree with that de- definition that prayer is talking to God. And, and that's the number one driver for why people do pray. If they pray, it's because they want to talk to God. And the other thing is that it's a way for them to worship God. These are just, these are everybody who answered the survey is central to their relationship with God. I think these are great, perfect scriptural answers. It helps people cope with situations. It gives the individual hope of a positive resolution. It reduces their concern and their anxiety. And it's one way that God transforms them. A majority of people that pray believe this, even if they don't consider themselves Christian or attend church or not. Fascinating that God has wired it in them to get this. But adults under the age of 30 stand out as not being of this camp that believes this. This is the next generation or two of our society. And they're the ones saying, I'm not sure if any of this is relevant. And there's another kind of, I'll call it a correlation. Less than half Americans don't pray daily as church membership continues to decline and the ranks of the religiously unaffiliated swells. This tells me that generations following us don't believe prayer to be relevant, so we must teach them. And they're not coming here to learn. Those with higher incomes or higher education tend to be worse at praying daily. They're still doing it. Is, is this because they think they have all they need or, or what they've accomplished was their own doing or they forgot to give thanks for the one who did it or move those pieces around. And there was a distinct correlation between those who read scripture frequently and those who pray frequently. I don't think that's, I don't think that's an accident. You know, whether they're praying or whether I'm praying to say, God, what, am, what do you want me to hear? God, help me understand what, how to apply this. God, point at what I need to read. Or they're reading first and they're saying, everything in here is telling me I need to be talking to my father. Where do you find yourself in these statistics? What do you think or believe in? And that's what matters. That's what matters when we're talking about what's relevant. And one of the most consistent themes in the New Testament teaching about prayer is that we can be sure that God will hear and respond to our prayers. Right? It's the Apostle John who points us out in, in 1 John 5, 14. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. This is why we can be so bold when we talk to him. 
that if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. That's a promise. It's a wonderful message. And, and when, we, when we do intentional prayer, when we do it the way that, that we should, and I'm not saying it has to be perfectly worded or in, in the solitude or anything like that, but when we go and say, I'm here to talk to you, God, there's a lot of things that, that come out of it. It helps us develop a relationship with God. Absolutely true. It helps us gain an understanding of God's loving nature. It provides answers. It helps give direction in our life. It gives us strength to avoid temptation. It aligns our will with God's. It invites the Holy Spirit into our life to work. And it helps us become more like Jesus because if nothing else, we're modeling what he did. Let's go back to that, that last slide, Sherry, just that last one there. Think about all these things that are listed in Philippians about worry and fret and, and these things and the, the peace we need. Think about that and in these lists of what we get out of prayer and ask yourself, is prayer relevant? Do these things still matter? Do these still happen? Are we still under stress? Do we still have a propensity to worry? Do we still want or need peace in our life? Are the problems real or the needs real? And if so, then the prayer, which is the solution, is real and relevant. And that's, that's such a good question because if you saw the title of this message and, and thought I was going to give you your answer, is prayer relevant? And he's just going to come up there and say yes and tell you why. I'm not going to do that. Okay? You're going to be a little disappointed. Uh, I can't tell you what matters to you. I can share with you what should matter according to God's word. And I can encourage you to think about the few things as you make that decision for yourself. But only you can decide, is prayer, is that a relevant thing? Is that something I need in my life? Is this conversation with God something that I need? And is there a disconnect between, between what you think it should be and what it is? Don't you still need those covenant promises? Don't we still need to understand them and believe that God keeps his word? If it's not relevant, then what, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for society? And if it is relevant, what do we do now? And I think I want to just take the last few minutes and, and do that. What do we do now? But well, we don't let up, right? Scripture says, be strong in prayer. Pray without ceasing. And, and something really is interesting is happening, right? I'm in this new position. It's a mission based business. It's not necessarily Christian. I think the principles are Christian, but they are not overtly Christian. And part of what we do is we employ immigrants, women and and other people from shelters. And right now we have a lot of people from war-torn countries. Okay. Think about where those people are coming from and the religion. I have a large number on my staff that are Muslim. Muslim. And just so you know, because I just took my master's class in, in world religion, there's a lot of similarities. We can talk about who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is. They believe Jesus is a prophet, okay? The, the Trinity, we have some disagreement on. But Allah, Farsi for Yahweh, right? Okay. But here's what I find fascinating. During their shift, three times they get up and they intentionally pray. Now, what's their motive? I can't speak to that. But Wow. And so they're going, huh, how often am I praying at work? And I don't even have to get up and, and kneel east, right? I can, because, because of my understanding of what God wants me to have a conversation, I can sit at my desk and close my eyes for 30 seconds and thank him for the job I have. Thank him for the challenge ahead of me and that he's going to be there with me. Why am I not doing that? 
when I see people give up their break time to go kneel and talk to God. Don't let up. Do the work. Lead by example. Those women have no idea the example they're being to me. And then we educate. We let people know why these things are important to us and let them decide for themselves. And we encourage them and we mentor them. We devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. As I conclude, I just, I want to invite you. If you're having trouble, I hope you're having trouble finding stress and worry. But, but if you have trouble understanding how prayer can help that, let's talk. If you're having trouble figuring out how to pray, let's talk. Or, or, or come next Sunday morning as we kind of look at some of these things and what was revealed about how we pray, why we pray. In conclusion, I just want to say this. Prayer in the Bible is not a generic word for a vague spiritual activity. It's not, you know, I just... I pray, I'll pray with you, I pray for you, I pray. But it's firmly rooted in the nature and the action of God. Prayer is one of the most intimate ways we connect with God. In prayer, we share our feelings, our thoughts, and our deepest concerns and fears. And what we're most grateful for. When we spend time in prayer, we hear from God and make space for the Spirit to guide our steps and transform our hearts. Scripture teaches that God is truly just a prayer away. And what a privilege it is for us to be so close to God. One fascinating thing, one really cool thing about prayer is it is unique between each and every person and God. It's my relationship with him. It's my conversation with him. And none of us will pray quite the same. So no one has a right to tell you you're doing it right or wrong. Each one of us may find ourselves praying in a different way depending on our situation, the need, or what we have to say with God. And he says, bring it. Dieter Uchtdorf is credited with saying, to strengthen our time relationship with God, we need some meaningful time alone with God. Will you give that to him? That's our challenge this week. Will you take whatever time what that needs to look like to have whatever that conversation you need to have? He is waiting to hear from you, I promise. Let's make that our prayer. Heavenly Father, it's a lot to be said on prayer. We didn't even really get in the nuts and bolts of it, but I'm glad because I don't want to tell people how to pray or what to say. I just want people to know that it matters, that you said, hey, I just want to hear from you, child of mine. I want to know what worries you. I want to know what you want, what you need. I want to know what makes you happy so I can be your God and we can have this relationship. Lord, let us truly Discover for ourselves the relevancy of prayer because that leads to the relationship with you. Lord, will you guide our thoughts? Will you guide our steps? Would you, would you guide our time and our commitment this week so we have these conversations with you? Will you help us to make room in our lives to do what needs to be done? It's in your son's name that we pray. And everyone said, amen.